Steve. It's a 27-minute bus ride from Woodfield Shopping Center to the corner of State Street and 3rd. 27 minutes barring extraneous traffic, blown tire, or hostile takeover. 27 minutes can feel like hours when you're caught in the middle of two friends. Topher is slumped in the seat next to me, his sweaty head pressed against the seat. Bran sits across the aisle checking his elbows. They're pink, stripped of skin, and spotted with blood from where they hit the pavement. I can't look at them for more than a second. Blood makes me queasy. So do Brussels sprouts, millipedes, and mayonnaise, but blood especially. This bus smells like ammonia, or that stuff they use when someone vomits in the halls at school, which also makes my stomach turn. The bus driver is a man this time. His name is Bob, and he has shaggy hair and a beard that reaches to his chest. He looks like he belongs on a motorcycle, or at least in an advertisement for motorcycles. I've never actually met anyone who rides a motorcycle. My parents think they should be outlawed because they're too dangerous, along with cigarettes, horror movies, and any boy who might want to date my sister. The thought of my father on a motorcycle is funny to me. Topher has both halves of his sketchbook in his lap. The cover creased and torn on one corner. More of the pages are coming loose from the binding, which is also bent. I feel bad. I know how much that sketchbook sketchbook means to him. The drawing of Miss Bixby is tucked away, tucks, tucked away in there somewhere. I glance from Topher to Brand and back again. There's nothing worse than being stuck between two people who are mad at each other. That's not true. Dying of starvation is worse. Being stranded in the void of outer space with only 10 minutes of oxygen left in your suit is worse. Earthquakes, Alzheimer's disease, ductal adenocarcinoma, all of these are worse. But being stuck in between is still bad. When my parents argue, they will sometimes put my sister or me in the middle, use us to prove a point, to try to admit that one or the other of them is right. When that happens, Christina often ends up trying to negotiate peace. I usually find some reason to escape to my room or go call Topher. There's nowhere to escape when you are stuck on a bus, jerking along cracked city streets headed south toward downtown. I'm not excited by the idea. Just yesterday, a postal delivery worker found a dead cat stuffed in a mailbox downtown, presumably not Princess Papa. It doesn't sound like an ideal place to spend the day, but unfortunately, everything we still need is downtown, including Miss Bixby. Up near the front, a mother with two toddlers is spilling crackers all over her lap. Judging by the dark purple stain on her blouse, she isn't having a good day. The two kids complain about being thirsty or having to use the bathroom. Then they start to fight over who has more crackers. She flashes me an apologetic smile. I'd like to tell her that I understand how she feels, but I don't talk to strangers. Brand and Topher continue to pout on either side of me. I wish I knew what to do in this these situations, but I don't. So instead, I take my phone back out, boot up Minecraft, and go crush some creepers, ignoring the warnings that my battery is already starting to run low. That's the nice thing about phone batteries, I think. They at least warn you when they are about to fail. They give you time to prepare. Topher and Brand, on the other hand, I didn't see that one coming. It was just a picture, hardly worth fighting over. It wasn't even Topher's best work. I like his dinosaur drawings better. This bus smells really bad, and those kids are loud. Brand winces every time he pokes his sidewalk burns. 
I wonder if taking this second bus is going to put us too far behind schedule, if we will still be able to get back to school in time to go home. I don't want to have to call my sister for a ride. We shouldn't have gone to the bookstore. I shouldn't have told Brand about the shark. I wish I could get the rest of the snot off my shirt sleeve. I guess it's just going to dry there and be crusty. I think that the cheesecake should be in a cooler. Things are not going according to plan, and I feel a little lightheaded because of it. I'm in the middle of making some Minecraft explosives when Topher finally stops chewing on his lip and says something. It's not what you think. I'm not sure if he's talking to Brand or to me, because he's still looking straight ahead. I go with me, because he's mad at Brand. I'm not sure if Brand is even listening. He's staring through the dirty glass at the blur of buildings now, his elbows cradled in his hands. Of course, if Topher is talking to me, I'm not sure what to say, because I'm not sure what he thinks I think. It's just a picture, Topher continues, which is one of the things I was thinking. It doesn't mean anything. It's not like I have a crush on her or anything. A crush? On Miss Bixby? That wasn't at all what I thought. Now suddenly, it's all I can think. I pause my game. Oh, I say, right. I still stare at the phone. I'm sort of afraid to look at Topher. It's not like that at all, he continues, looking at the seat in front of him, refusing to look at me too. I just, I don't know. I thought that if I drew a picture of her, she would, you know, always be there somehow. Uh-huh, I say. Uh-huh, is what my parents say to each other at dinner table at the dinner table when they pretend to be listening to each other. Except I'm not pretending. I'm really listening. It's just not, re- I'm not really understanding. Miss Bixby is a 35-year-old woman, and our teacher, Topher, is 12, and my best friend. These two things are incongruent. I thought it would be like a way of, you know, preserving her, Topher says. He looks over at me finally, waiting for my response to say something reassuring, to get it. I think I got it. Like formaldehyde, I say. My sister had to dissect a frog last year in biology. She said they kept the frogs in formaldehyde, which is this chemical that preserves living tissue so that it rots slower. Unfortunately, formaldehyde causes cancer. Not that the dead frogs care. Judging by the look on Topher's face, I obviously don't get it. Topher groans and slumps up against the window, and now I'm afraid he's mad at me too for thinking the wrong thing, for thinking the wrong thing, even though he's the one that made me think it in the first place. I get it. Bran's voice is barely more than a whisper, and I'm not entirely sure I hear him right, but then he turns and looks at us. Actually, he looks past me and directly at Topher. It makes perfect sense, he says. Topher looks over over my head at Brand, and I suddenly feel like I'm in the way. It's like Shakespeare, he adds. How he wrote all those poems and thought that it would make him immortal or something. Miss Bixby taught us a little about Shakespeare. We read a sonnet by him in class. It didn't work, I want to say. Shakespeare still died, but Brand keeps talking. You draw her and she's, like, with you forever. I think it's cool. Really? Topher asks. He looks at me for confirmation. Hmm, I say. Hmm, is what you say when you can't say the thing that the other person wants to hear. I learned that from my parents, too. Seriously, Bran says. I was just jealous because... It takes him a few seconds to finish the thought. Honestly, I just wish I could draw half as good as you. Half as well, I correct. Brand ignores me. I turn around to Topher. I get it, too, I say. Totally. 
I really don't. I still think it's a little strange to be drawing pictures of your teacher. I'm just glad that Topher doesn't have a crush on Miss Bixby. That would be worse. There is a long, quiet moment, and then Brand reaches across the aisle with his fist. I'm sorry about your sketchbook. I look at Brand's fist, hovering right in front of my face. For a moment, I think Topher is going to leave him hanging. For a moment, I hope he does. But then Topher rolls his eyes and finishes the bump. I have to lean back to avoid getting punched. You're a total dufkus, Topher says. Dufkus is a brand word, like dork and doofus, and a lot of other things, and a few a few other things all rolled into one. It's not a good thing, but I it's not near as bad as being a flipwad. You're just so buying me a new one. It's it was $14.95, I say. I know, because I'm the one who bought it for Topher's 10th birthday. That and a set of charcoal pencils. He told me it was the coolest present he had ever got and promised his first sketch would be of me. It wasn't. In that case, I regret to inform you, Bran says, that I just spent all my money on cheesecake. It's all right. You can owe me, Topher says. Up ahead, the bus driver finally calls out our stop. The lady with the juice-stained shirt collects her children and ushers them out the door, trailing cracker crumbs behind them. The three of us stand, Topher tucking both halves of his sketchbook in his bag, zipping it tight, me shouldering the cheesecake again, taking my place in the back of the line as I follow the path of crackers off the bus, trying hard not to think about the thing Topher told me I was thinking about Miss Bixby and how he didn't feel about her, about crushes and living forever. Cecilia Flowers had a crush on me once. I know because she gave me a folded piece of pink construction paper with a strawberry scratch and sniff sticker on the front and a message inside. The message read, I lick you. We were five, so I didn't hold her spelling against her. Instead, I told her I liked her back, in part because her pigtails reminded me of tornadoes, but mostly because it seemed like a polite thing to do and I was taught to use good manners. We held hands during recess that afternoon, and I let her borrow my favorite Transformers Optimus Prime pencil. The next day, I tried to hold her hand again, and she stuck out her tongue at me. I assumed that meant she didn't like me anymore. I asked for my pencil back, and she said she lost it. She was my first and only girlfriend. I understand Newton's laws of motion and HTML and basic trigonometry, but girls are confusing. They don't follow set patterns. They are an equation full of variables, x plus y equals z, where x equals q and y is constantly changing and z is whispering about you behind your back. I know because sometimes I catch girls whispering about me behind my back. I know because I overhear my sister on the phone complaining about all the kids at her school, even the ones she insists are her friends. Except she doesn't whisper, which is good, because otherwise it might be hard to hear, even with my ear pressed against the up against her door. From my experience, boys are quick are easier to get along with. We have basic needs, potato chips, video games, and movies, where national landmarks blow up. That makes us compatible. Compatible means going together without conflict. Strawberries and whipped cream are compatible. Sunshine and swimming pools are compatible. Hydrogen and oxygen, Han Solo and Chewbacca, cereal and milk. My sister and I are not compatible. Only five years separates us, but she sometimes pretends it's more like 20. Ever since I was born, I've literally felt her standing over me, starting when I was first learning how to walk, and she followed right behind with both hands on either side ready to catch me. 
When I was growing up, she quizzed me and corrected me, told me when I was coloring outside the lines, and pointed out words I didn't know. My parents thought it was sweet the way she hovered over me, tying my shoes, correcting my homework, saying, no, Stephen, the same way my mother did. They thought it was her way of showing affection, but I knew it was her way of letting me know which one of us was in charge. From those first moments stumbling through the kitchen when, as a toddler, unsure of my footing, wobbling and having her arms wrapped around me, I've never questioned it. Dad says there are tigers and there are sheep. My sister is a tiger. I can only assume I am a sheep, not compatible. My parents aren't either. That's why my mother spends the weekends in her garden, weeding the flower beds, tending to the strawberry plants, or just sitting on the patio looking at the sky. My father spends that time indoors. They are like vinegar and bleach, highly toxic when combined. It doesn't take much to trigger a reaction, an unemptied dishwasher, a random remark, and the shouting begins. Topher knows. He's been over when my parents are arguing. That's usually when we sneak out the door and bike through the neighborhood. Sometimes we go back to his house. Sometimes we walk down to the pond and try to capture tadpoles, armed with nets and empty margarine tubs. That's where we were the day Topher swore off marriage forever. My parents were arguing over the credit card bill. We could hear them from my bedroom. Christina popped her head in, giving me a look that was both annoyed and concerned. I'm going to Nat's house to study. You dweebs want me to drop you off somewhere? I shook my head, hoping to leave it at that. But Topher said, we would, Chris, but I really doubt there's room for three on your broomstick. My sister drives a Subaru, actually, purchased for her 16th birthday. She also hates to be called Chris. She and Topher have that in common, at least. You're such a turd, Christina said, then looked at me. You okay? I nodded again, and she left, but not without trading glares with Christopher again. How do you stand her? Topher asked. Could be worse, I said. The sand tiger shark eats its own siblings while it's still in the womb. Yeah, well, it's a good thing you two aren't twins, Topher said. Then he, sh- then he suggested we go hunt for tadpoles. We grabbed our stuff, cut across several backyards, and walked down to the water's edge, avoiding the nettles and whacking at the cattails with sticks. Topher insisted they were sprouting swamp monsters, and I went along. They sure do fight a lot, Topher said, meaning my parents, not the swamp, mo- swamp mo- monsters, which just stood there and let us decapitate them, like cattails would. Just when they are in the same room, I joked. Topher didn't laugh. He sometimes didn't get my humor. People who get married are asking for it, he said. It seemed like a strange comment coming from him. In the, in the pictures on his living room wall, Topher's parents are always smiling. Your parents get along, I said. Yeah, if you can somehow manage to get them together. Topher's father worked most of the day. His mother worked most evenings. One of them was almost always at home whenever I came over, but seldom both. For the most part, they stayed out of Topher's business. I envied that, though I think it bothered him. I followed Topher down to the stones that crossed the creek, and we found the least wobbly ones to stand on. It was too early in the year to find tadpoles. The water was still too cold, and the frogs were just now laying their eggs. But I didn't want to tell Topher that. He'd call me a know-it-all. It was better to just let him discover it himself. I stood beside him, crouching down, pretending to study the slowly rippling water. If movies teach us anything, it's that you absolutely should not get married, Topher continued. 
Take The Princess Bride, for example. We had just watched the movie two nights before, for the fourth time. It was one of Topher's favorites. He could quote most of it on cue. Whenever he had a sword a stick sword fight, whenever we had a stick sword fight, he would always start with his left hand, just so he could say he knew something I did not know, though even though I knew exactly what was going what he was going to say next. Topher poked at the water with the tree branch. Sure, Wesley and Buttercup get together in the end, but they still don't get married. They just kiss. That's it. The one time she even thought she was get she was married. She tried to stab herself in the heart. What's that tell you? That there's a shortage of perfect breasts in the world, I ventured. I knew quoting the movie would make Topher smile, and it did. What it tells you is that love is okay, but marriage sucks. What's the moral of the story, as Miss Bixby would say? What about the old couple, Miracle Max and the witch? They were married. Are you kidding me, Topher said. They hated each other, called each other names, chased each other around the hut. And not just them. Look at Anakin and Padme. They got married. Then he tried to choke her to death using the force. Superman, Indiana Jones, Katniss Everdeen, all happily unmarried. Actually, Katniss gets married, I corrected. I read the entire Hunger Games trilogy over Christmas break. It was good, but I couldn't picture Christina taking over my place in the reaping. Or maybe she would, just to show me up and score some brownie points with mom and dad. Epilogues don't count, Topher said. They're just a way for authors to tack on a happy ending. She would prob- she was probably still miserable. Topher dropped his stick in the water, and I watched the ripples work their way back to the edge. Nothing here, he sighed and set his empty blue bonnet tub on the bank and collapsed next to it. I sat beside him. We watched the clouds for a moment. Then Topher turned and put both hands on my shoulders. Promise me that you will never, ever, ever let me get married. I couldn't tell if he was being serious or not. With Topher, it was always a toss-up. Okay, I said. Either way, it seemed like an easy enough promise to make. We were only 12. No, man, you have to promise. No matter what I say, promise me you won't let it happen. In fact, promise me you will never let any girl get get between us, no matter what. He let go of my shoulders and put out his hand. In the past, he used to spit in his palm, until I confessed to him that I thought it was a little gross. But he still, we still shook on our promises. I swear, I said. And for half a second, on the banks of a tadpole-less pond in early spring, Topher and I held hands.